Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. like a, an old concept because it's in the Old Testament. Before I get there, bring the, I, the image of the, uh, of the tabernacle there. You see at the entrance, if, can we all see the screen? Can we all see there? At the entrance, you have the gate. All the people of Israel are camped around and they were camping in like three, 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 three tribes in each, each corner. Some theologians believe that that is a sign of the cross. But we are not going there today. So when you, uh, you enter at the gate, you see the sacrifice they are giving. They are burning animals. And then the second item is kind of a bas basin. Is it a basin or basin? Basin. With water in it. That's the lava. So we are going to talk about the, the importance of that even in our life today. Because when at, at, at the... At the at the, at the art of sacrifice, your sins have been forgiven, isn't it? The judgment has been removed. So you are not, you are going to heaven. Because Jesus is in your life. You are fine. Why wash your hands again? Why do we need to wash our hands again? That's a very important question to ask ourselves. First, we need to understand that only the priest could have gone in the tent. Because that's where the presence of God was. Only the priests, like all the normal people like us, were not supposed to go inside. We would just give our sacrifice to the, to the altar of sacrifice with the priest, and then the rest the priest will do for us. And when Jesus came, he made all of us priests. So we can now all go in the tent. And we don't need the priest to go on our behalf anymore. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. So if you and I, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the presence of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Every believer, everyone who believes in Jesus is now considered as a priest and now can walk through the tabernacle into the tent. One thing you need to understand is this tabernacle we see there is the representation of the original tabernacle in heaven. It means this was just a replica of an original tabernacle that exists up to now. God was giving to Moses the idea of how the real spiritual tabernacle functions. So today, you and I can now access the tent, the presence of God. We don't need a priest to go for us. We don't need a pastor to go for us. We don't need a leader to go for us. We can now access the presence of God. That's a privilege. That's great as priests because we are all qualified as priests before God. When Jesus died on the cross... Historians believe, and, 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 and it was recorded in the Bible, and it's recorded in the history of, 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 of Romans, that those who were in the temple, they saw 
the, the curtain, go back to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the image, please. The curtain that was dividing the holy place to the holy of holies place in the temple, there was a curtain dividing those two places where God is and where the priest was coming just to meet God. Because the temple was, the, the, uh, the, 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 the tabernacle was divided in three parts. The first one was the outsider, the outer part, then the holy place, then the holy of holies, where the presence of God dwelt. The presen where where the, the presence of God, uh, of God dwelt was divided by a very thick curtain, and the priest, the high priest only could have gone there once a year. But in the temple, when Jesus died, we hear that that curtain was divided into two. So people could now access the Holy of Holies. Direct with access to God. The Bible says this in uh, Matthew chapter 27, 50 to 51. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At, the, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rock split. This is history. It's not a story. It's happened. When Jesus died, the curtain was broken into two. It's, and, and we know that we got access from that very day that every Christian can go not only in the holy place, but in the holy of holies, direct presence of God. We have that access. As believers. So let me take you back to the story. Do we still need the lava or not? Because there is a spiritual tabernacle that's still operating today. Was it cancelled or it still exists? One thing you need to know. All the laws that God gave to Moses about concerning worship, they were not cancelled. They were fulfilled through Jesus. They are still there. They still exist. But Jesus fulfilled them. So through Jesus Christ, we can see what they mean today. The laws that we don't need again, they are the judicial. The, uh, judicial. Wow, English. No, no. Judicial law laws. Exactly, that's one. Judicial laws. Like those laws that go with, or if... Uh, how to how to manage your country? God was telling them, if you curse your mother, they kill you. Do we still do that? We we don't do that anymore. But those are yeah, those just the way to keep order. But the moral laws, lying was bad those days. Lying is still bad today. You know, to lie is bad. So Jesus did not come to cancel moral laws. He did not come to cancel the worship law. The tabernacle was not canceled. So let's read the lava in the Bible quickly. Exodus chapter 17, 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin with a bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Wash so that they will not die. 
even though they have sacrificed an animal for their sin, the judgment is not there. But the priests were supposed to enter the presence of God after washing their hands and their feet. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance to, for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. It's never been canceled. Jesus fulfilled it. How? All ceremonial laws, what I'm talking about, have their meaning in the Bible today. So, let me take you through the process of the lava. The lava was a basin made of polished bronze mirrors and filled with water. Bronze mirrors. That means you could see yourself. They took the mi bronze mirrors from Egypt and women gave to Moses as an offering to build the, uh, the tabernacle. And they were used to build the lava. Why mirror? Why do you need to see yourself as the priest when you are washing your hands? What was the reason to use a mirror while you are washing your hands and your feet? It was because the priest was supposed to reflect upon himself, to see himself through the water, through the mirror, and know exactly where he stands with God before he enters the presence of God. It was not just a basin. It was a reflective basin with a mirror in it so that they can see themselves. The priest, when they are washing their hands, before they enter the presence of God. Do we still have this in the world today? Do we still have this as Christian? The answer is yes. The Bible says the mirror represents the written word of God. James chapter 1, verse 23 to 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The mirror. Ah, we have been given a mirror today, which is the word of God. Still, the lava exists in our lives today, but not just a basin. When you come to church, you wash your hands before you enter here. I don't wash my hands at the back there before I come to preach. I will tell you the truth. I wash my hand when I come from that place. The other corner, small corner. <laughs> yes, it's outside. Why? Because there is a spiritual mirror that we need today to check our lives when we go in the presence of God. And where is the presence of God? Now is everywhere. So every time, always, we need to check what the, what the word of God says about us. We don't have the, tab the physical tabernacle. You are the physical, the physical tabernacle now. I am a tabernacle because God lives in me. So I don't need a place built with structures to go in the presence of God anymore. Because I carry the presence of God. You carry the presence of God if Jesus lives in you. 
mirror. We were given the Bible to check our lives and to make adjustments. The purpose of the Bible is to help believers to evaluate themselves. History in the Bible is made of people who were weak. Some of them faced consequences of their own sins. Why? Because the Bible is a mirror. When you look at their lives, we learn something from them. That we can avoid or what we can apply. That's why we have history. That's why we have people who died after sinning. That's why we have people who were blessed after obeying God. Why all those stories? Because God wants us to use it as a mirror. You look at it, you say, yes, I want to do this. Oh, I want to avoid this. Someone said, ignorance is not an excuse. If you don't know what the right thing to do is, it's not God's fault. It's because you don't know. You can't cross the, right, the, the red light and say, tell the police, I didn't know. I don't know. Australian laws, I don't know. No, they will tell you, I'm sorry, ignorance is not an excuse. Among all characters in the Bible, I see the character of Jesus Christ. Our supreme example. When we read the Bible, we are challenged by Jesus' life. The way he spoke. The way he treated people. The way he behaved. The, his love for others. For his enemies. He, he, that character of Jesus is a, like our reference. It's a mirror. When we look at him, we say, God, how, how, how well am I doing to move toward that destination? How well am I doing to grow into the image of Jesus in my life? The way I talk. The way I treat people, the way I behave, how well am I doing to make progress to become like Jesus? And I'm asking you that question. Do you check the mirror? Do you compare your life to what the mirror says? The second element of the lava was water. And water is represented as the Holy Spirit in the Bible. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, whoever believes in me. As scripture has said, rivers of living waters will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not be, uh, yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit is water in the lava that we have today. My question is, do you listen to him? Every person on earth who has received Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit in them. You have it, I have it. And he speaks to you. You know what? Even if you haven't received Jesus Christ in your life, I will tell you the truth. The Holy Spirit suggests things to you. We choose not to listen. Why? Because some of the things that he says, we don't like them. We don't like what the Holy Spirit always tells us. Sometimes he challenges us. He challenges us to, to abandon, to get rid of certain things in our life that we like. And we feel that conflict becomes hard because should I listen to this voice that is telling me to do the right thing? Or should I keep this thing that I like because it's good? We love to stay into our good thing instead of moving into the right thing. And the Holy Spirit lives in you or suggests things to you so that you can become like Christ and move into the presence of God. But the reason we resist is because we don't 
Listen to that voice. And I'm glad for those who do listen. We all try. I'm not saying anyone is perfect. We just all try. The best we can to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Water is again, is again uh, representing uh, the, the, the word of God in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. This, I'm talking about the mirror and the water. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. God, Jesus is cleansing the church, purifying the church through water. Which water? The word. The Bible. So, we agree on these premises. That we need the lava, we still have the lava today in our lives. Even though it's not physical, but we still have it. So we, we let, let let's go back now to the procedure in in the uh, in the tabernacle. When you give your love to Jesus, your sins are forgiven at the at the altar of sacrifice. But God is saying it's not enough for you to be a believer. It's not enough to you, for you to stay outside. It's not for you to go. It's not enough for you to go home after giving your sacrifice. I want you to come closer and enter in this tent so that you can know more about me and I can, you can, we can talk. I want to use you. I want, I want you and I to become friends. I want you and I to build a relationship that is stronger than just believing in me. God is calling us for a relationship that is deeper than just knowing about him, but knowing him. So the art of sacrifice is, is even though it's taking you to heaven, is not enough. Even though you are not under judgment anymore, it's not enough. There is more that God has in, in store for us. I will explain a few concepts so that you understand where I'm coming from. You are saved, and I agree you are. Just a few concepts. The first one is this. There is a difference between relationship and fellowship. Relationship and fellowship are two different things. You can have a relationship without fellowship, but you cannot have fellowship without relationship. Let me explain this. We have people who have fathers who gave birth to them, but they abandoned them. What does it mean? They still have fathers. They're not yet dead, but they don't have what? Fellowship. A relationship, a relationship explains the, the, how you are related to the person. You can have a wife in your house without having fellowship with her. You can have a husband without having communion with him. You can have a child without having communion with that child. Because communion takes effort. It takes communication. It takes knowing each other. Knowing each other's thoughts and intentions. That's fellowship. Relationship is not enough. When you give your life to Jesus, you become a child of God. It's your right. But becoming a child of God does not give you communion with God. It gives you relationship. It doesn't give you fellowship. Fellowship is a work you need to do. It takes effort to maintain fellowship. You know, if you are married, you know how hard it is. To maintain fellowship. You can be in the car with your wife. You are driving. And you're like, 
You don't want even to say any word. You don't want even to hear anything from her. There is no fellowship in the car that time. Things are tough. But you still have the relationship. You're still married. You still go in the same house. You still sleep in the same bedroom, maybe. But there is no fellowship. And we want to take God as our father, but we don't want fellowship with him. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 16, it says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. But God doesn't want us to be just his children as a title. He wants us to enjoy being his children. He wants us to enjoy that position. He, he, he wants that. He, he doesn't, you know, being a member of a family does not guarantee friendship. You can have your siblings and you're not friends. But God wants that fellowship between you, you and him. And, and he says... In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God wants to deal with everything. Everything you do, you wake up in the morning, God, I, I, I thank you for today. What do you, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to treat my, my, my workers or, or my employees? God, what, what, what do you want me, how do you want me to behave in, in, in the presence of my, my boss today? God, 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 God. Every aspect of your life you involve him. He wants fellowship. God wants fellowship. The challenge is that we involve other people and other things before even we involve God in our life. He longs for fellowship. He wants us to go in the tent and listen to him, talk to him. There's nothing small to God. He wants you to talk about your frustration. He wants you to talk about everything, everything you want. He wants fellowship. The, the second co concept I will bring to you, justification and sanctification. The cross dealt with justification. At the entrance, when you enter the tabernacle, the sacrifice that you give, the animal that is killed, justifies you. In the eyes of God. But it does not sanctify you. And I will explain why. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore since we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you. Because of Jesus we all have peace with God. There's no conflict anymore. You know that the absence of conflict does not mean fellowship. Isn't it? I don't have any conflict with you. But we don't have any fellowship. So the absence of, of, of conflict doesn't mean we have friendship. No. God wants us to enter the tent. How? Because he wants us to be sanctified. And the process of sanctification, by definition, it's, it means to set ourselves apart for him. Sanctification means that you say no where everybody else is saying yes because God wants it. Sanctification means that we follow God's opinion 
even when it's unpopular and shameful. The whole country says it's okay, but yourself you say no because God says it's no. That's sanctification. You set yourself apart so that you can keep relationship with God, uh, fellowship with God. God wants us to, to, to be sanctified. It means that we, we are ready to live out of the common. God wants communion with us. Are we ready to sanctify ourselves, to wash our hands, to wash our feet and enter the tent? It avails you for service. God wants to use you so that he can heal other lives. I'm telling you, if we are 40, 50 in this, in this room, God wants to use every one of us to bring healing in Canada, to reach out to people at work, to reach out to people and bring healing. People are struggling out there. People don't know what the future will, like, will look like. People don't have hope. And God wants us to go and give hope to people. We can do that if we avail ourselves. How? By being sanctified, listening to him, set ourselves apart. Second Timothy 2.21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master use for every good work. I'm not saying it, God is saying it. If you avail yourself, if you keep yourself sanctified, he will use you. God can use you temporarily, even if you are not clean. He can. He has used donkeys before. But he can't use you permanently. We need to be available all the time. Not just being used by God at once. Oh, I, he used me that day. It's not enough. You need to be used by, your life needs to, to have a meaning by sanctifying yourself. Be available for God to use you. The last one, righteousness versus holiness. We know that. When we come to Christ, we become righteous. What does it mean? Right stand with God. When God looks at you as a Christian, he sees a right person. Righteous person. You are righteous because of Jesus in your life. And I, 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 it is not exagger exaggeration. I will say, whatever what you do, you are still righteous. Why? Because it's a gift. We receive it as a gift. It's not a fruit. We don't produce righteousness. We receive it. But we produce holiness. It's not a gift to holiness. It's something we produce. We become holy. We receive righteousness. You see, this one does not take you to hell or to heaven. Right? Righteousness takes you to heaven. But holiness avails you on earth. It makes you available to be used by God. It makes you a different person on earth. It brings you in communion with God. Look. It's not a bulletproof against life challenges. But it makes you a bullet through life challenges. What I mean is. You can be holy and still face challenges. Still face sicknesses. You can be set apart and still face challenges in life. But you know what? You will face those challenges as a bullet. Through them. You just go through them. Why? Because you have that peace, that joy, that love of God in you acting. Because you have a communion with him. That's what holiness does. It doesn't prevent bad things to happen in your life. But it makes you effective on earth. Your life gets a meaning. You begin to live for a purpose. 
before, before I close, I will say this. 1 Peter 1, 15 to um, 16, it says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. It's a command to be holy. It's not a command to be righteous. Because we receive righteousness, but we work on our holiness. So, what do we do? What do we do? The lava symbolizes our daily obedience to God's word. Simple. Daily obedience to God. That's where the lava is. There is no mentioning of, the, of how many times the priest had the right to go and wash his hands. Every other thing you could see how many times they will happen. But the lava, we don't see any detail how many times. That means you can wash yourself 100 times per day. That's fine. God is still okay with that. You are invited to begin to listen to God. We are invited to build that relationship with God. Not just be satisfied by being a believer. We need to become followers of Christ. Not just to be a Christian, but to be a disciple of Christ. God is challenging us today. Are you ready to start listening to him and obey his voice? Our obedience will lead us to communion with him. The more you obey, the more you get access to more secrets and more. Just imagine God as a commander-in-chief of an army. And he says, everybody go left and you keep running to the right. That's what we do. When God says, everybody go left, he's a commander-in-chief giving us orders. Everybody go left, we keep running to the right. Everybody go right, you keep running or you stand where you are. God needs direct obedience, no matter how painful it is, so that we can stay in his army. Just imagine a father who wants to trust his children with family matters. Who are you going to trust? The one who listens to you most. Obedience will make you effective on earth. Will make your life to matter. Let's bow our head and pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room who has come because they want not just a relationship with you, but communion with you, fellowship with you. I pray that today you will give us the grace to start to begin to obey the very small steps and command in our lives, the small things that we know we can obey. The Holy Spirit in us, not only he gives us commands, but he gives us the strength to obey God. Help us, Jesus, to listen to the Holy Spirit and to rely upon his strength to live right, to obey you. Help us as a church, help us as people to be obedient to the word of God. Help us, Holy Spirit, with our own strength we cannot make it. But with your power in us, we know we can make it. Help us today. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued.
pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.